You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. What's up, Oilers fans? Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Before we get into the Oilers conversation, we do have to thank our sponsor, DraftKings. You've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. And how payday can come every day by entering their contest with huge cash prizes. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night, and it's simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there's no better place to get in on all of the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with their first deposit. Only at DraftKings, minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Since the last time we spoke, not a whole lot changed for the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, they did release their protected list as we head towards the expansion draft. The Seattle Kraken set to get going next season. For the Oilers, the list looks like this. Josh Archibald, Leon Draisaitl, Zach Cassian, Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jesse Pugliarvi, and Kyler Yamamoto. The forwards protected on the blue line. Ethan Bear, Duncan Keith, Darnell Nurse, and between the pipes, Stuart Skinner. Like I said, pretty much what we had projected that to be. The only difference for me would be up front when it comes to Zach Cassian. I had said a few times on this podcast that I would have protected Tyler Benson. For me... He's the guy that probably fits into your bottom six next year. You've developed in the last couple of years. He was a second-round pick, 32nd overall. I thought, with the track record you've had with the Condors last few years, you're probably going to get a guy who's ready to play in the NHL. And I thought that, especially with his cap hit, that could benefit the team. You dangle Zach Cassian out there, and if the Kraken were to take him, then you clear some cap space. And, you know, you lose a guy who, when he's on his game, can be very effective. I'm not going to deny that. But he's also inconsistent, and there's times where he does disappear. So, honestly, I'm not too worried about it. I think that had they gone either way, whether it had been protecting Cassian or Tyler Benson, you know, there's always a positive way to spin it. So now we see what happens for the Kraken. Will they take Tyler Benson? Maybe it's Jujarkara. I think those are probably the only two you're looking at, but I guess if you wanted a veteran defenseman, maybe you look at Chris Russell, but I think Judarkara or Tyler Benson will be the guy that the Edmonton Oilers do lose to the Seattle Kraken. Looking at the free agents, uh, guys who we didn't list off as being protected, Adam Larson, obviously the big one, would be crucial for the Oilers to lock him up after the expansion draft. And, you know, there's been a lot of conflicting reports. Some people think that Adam Larson might test free agency. It'd be the first time that he's allowed to. I think it'd be a good move for him just to see what's out there, but also reports saying that, you know, there's still that offer with the Edmonton Oilers and it is the best offer. And he said in the past that he would like to return. So we'll see what happens later on this week following the NHL's expansion draft, but I'm sure Adam Larson might not be in the biggest rush. He'll figure things out and we'll find out there. Between the pipes, obviously they are going to protect Stuart Skinner. And that makes a lot of sense. You're not going to protect Koskinen. You're not going to protect Staylock. And Mike Smith, being a UFA, I don't think the Kraken are going to be grabbing him. So once uh, the draft passes, I think Mike Smith and the Oilers probably find an agreement. And then you've got Stuart Skinner, your long-term prospect there. 
and you probably look to free agency to try to find someone else. And then we'll see what happens with buyouts. Could it be Miko Koskinen? Could James Neal be bought out? That's what Jason Greger had reported last week. We'll wait and see what happens. But we'll discuss all of that with our guest today, Dean Millard. He's a former co-worker of mine. We worked together for a long time at TSN 1260. He hosted the night show. I was the producer. We also did pre- and post-game shows on that station. Do you know now? Man, he's everywhere. He's doing all sorts of things. Podcasts, fantasy football. We'll talk to him about that and more in the interview that I had with Dino earlier on today. Here it is. We're now joined by Dean Millard, a guy I used to work with at TSN 1260 on the evening show as well as pre- and post-game shows. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Duck Millard. He's got Podcast Alley. He's got UFF Sports going on, which we will talk about later on in this interview. Dino, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you doing? Connor, I am uh, excellent. If I was any better, I'd be you. So it's always great to chat with you, my man. <laughs> no, I'm glad you had some time to do this. And, of course, hockey season, like, there was a little bit of a lull there. And then all of a sudden over the weekend, trades are just going crazy. I was out in, uh, by Hinton camping, and my phone's blowing up with all these trades that are happening. We've got the expansion draft. We've got the NHL entry draft coming up. So much going on. So I had to get you on because... I mean, I mean, you, your wealth of knowledge. I mean, I think you can reach kind of all of that sort of stuff. Well, we'll see. Anyway, it, was, <laughs> it is interesting, though, man. Uh, like the expansion shuffle, I, I kind of have uh, called it, because now you have like the Islanders trading Andrew Ladd to the Coyotes just to clear up <laughs> space or whatever it is they want to do, and and the Coyotes and these you know typical bottom feeder teams that are open to all bad contracts and. And, and, you know, what is Seattle going to do? Have they made as many side deals as Vegas did? And, and did NHL GMs learn from some of the past mistakes? Uh, because Vegas, they made out like bandits, man. They, they really did. So it's going to be interesting to see what Seattle, you know, so much intrigue just over the Montreal Canadiens and the Carey Price story uh, when it comes to the Kraken. So the next few days are going to be awesome. And then we have the draft. Uh, for a couple of days, and uh, uh, man, it's uh, it's it's been so wild to be able to be to be talking about these types of events in July. Uh, as normally, we'd be way past free agency by now, and we haven't even got there yet. Well, look, look, I mean, we're going to talk about the Oilers and what might happen for them with you know the draft and well, potentially free agency. We'll get to that if we've got enough time. But you started that one off there with Carey Price and. That, that to me is just wild. And I, I get the thinking that you can probably not protect him. And, you know, for the Seattle Kraken, $10.5 million cap it for the next five years is quite a bit. But if you're on Francis in the Kraken, do you consider making that selection and getting a, a guy who obviously showed he's still got a lot of hockey left in him? Um, well, that, that's also debatable, that last thing you just said. <laughs> a lot of hockey left in him. If you believe. Some of the reports that are out there, he has hip issues. So it, is there a lot of hockey left in him? Trust me, goaltenders with bad knees and bad hips, they, they, they go down early. And I'm not saying that is going to happen with Carey Price, but that has to be a concern. If there's the rumors are true that he could miss a lot of time next year, then I, 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 I would be very wary. I, you, know, you have to consider it. Carey Price is one of the best goalies. He just proved that. But what has to be equally important if you're Ron Francis, is he one of the healthiest goalies? Because it doesn't matter what Carey Price is doing if he's not on the ice. And sure, uh, it's an area that he's, uh, you know, would have a, have a following. It's close, closer to his home than, than Montreal where he grew up. 
So I think you have to consider it if you're Ron Francis, but I, I, I do not think the Seattle Kraken will take Carey Price in the expansion draft. I just think there's there's so much money left tied up on uh, in that contract. And now the question about his health. Certainly if the, if the Kraken... Uh, look into it and get a, a clean bill of health, then, you know, I, I think it's maybe more of a 50-50. Uh, do you want that big name? It worked for Vegas with Marc-Andre Fleury mm-hmm. um, and, and a strong goaltender, albeit less of a contract. But the injury concerns me, uh, like it should concern everybody. So unless the Kraken get a, a spectacular medical report, I would be very wary about grabbing a 33-year-old Carey Price. Now, we we're hearing the reports that the Kraken are going to be signing Chris Treder. He's only got 41 games played in his NHL career, but there are some signs there that I think would indicate that he is a guy who is trending in the right direction. Um, it could be an expensive <laughs> duo between the pipes, but there might be some balance there, and maybe he doesn't have to play quite as many games. What do you think of the Dreger signing for the Kraken? See, that's more in line with what I think they should be looking at. Uh, I, 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 I love Carey Price. I think it's great. But I just, you know, I just don't know if you want to, you know, and, and, and if Carey Price is healthy and he comes in, that's great. But he is, you know, very close to the end where goaltenders hit a wall. And that's a lot of money to have tied up. And, you know, I, I just think the, the, the Kraken could have buyer's remorse in a couple of years with Carey Price, where if you invest in, in a guy like Dreger, you're, 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 obviously your cap hit is much lower. There's more upside. If it doesn't fizzle out, you haven't invested as much as you would have. That, in my mind, is a much better situation to go. And, and listen, you can go out and find a guy who could be uh, uh, even a 1A to, to Drieger's 1B if you're not sure that he can carry the mail. You can go and find a veteran that could, could do the job uh, and, and help him along in his first year. Um, I, I don't think that would be difficult. So that is a situation I think that they should be looking at more than Carey Price, in my opinion. Oh, it's going to be fun to watch on Wednesday. Now for the Oilers, they protect Archibald, Drysaddle, Cassian, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Pilyarvi, Yamamoto up front. Defensively, Ethan Bayer, Duncan Keith, Darnell Nurse, and Stuart Skinner. Uh, leaving available Benson, Neil Shore, Torres, Clefbaum, Larson, Russell Koskinen. A bunch of those seem pretty unrealistic to me that the Kraken would even consider taking them. But what did you think for the Oilers' protected list? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think... Uh, like, I think there was very um, few debates that you can have. A couple of players. I, I think you could debate Cassian and Archibald. Um but I don't. I you know I'm looking at the names that uh, are available, and you know I I think Tyler Benson uh, could be a, a good player at some point. But I'm not as confident. I think he's fallen down the depth chart, especially with some of the guys. And you and I talked about this last time we discussed this. Is that he's kind of fallen behind. So I'm looking at the guys that are on this list of available players. And, you know, if the, if the Kraken can get a nice deal with Tyson Berry done, sure, that's, that's, a, that's a good move for them, possibly, if they can, if they can do that. Uh, Oscar Clefbaum, there, there's so many concerns about if he's going to come back. Uh, William Lagason is a guy that, that I do like, but uh, I, I don't think you're doing William Lagason because then he would have to go 8-1. and one. Uh, So, you know, if you did lose William Lagason, I, I, I like him as a player, but... 
not at the expense, uh, I think, of Josh Archibald or, or Zach Cassian. Because if you wanted to protect Lagasin, you already have Bear, Keith, and, and Nurse. Uh, so you're you're going Drysaitel, McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Poljarvi. Um, I think. Uh, but anyway, and yeah, four and four because. Uh, then you're leaving out a lot of guys. So William Lagasin isn't worth that. Uh, and then the goaltending, uh, you know, Alex Daylock is a guy that the Kraken might look at uh, for, for their system. But I, I don't think there was, you know, I think you're reaching a lot uh, to, to um, the, the one case you might have is Benson. Um, but I, I think the Oilers did fine with these picks. I don't think there was any glaring omissions. Um, Jujar Kyra is a guy that you like, but he's never been consistent enough to say, he is better than Josh Archibald, or he is better than Zach Cassian, in my opinion, or Paul Yarvi and Yamamoto. Yeah, and I mean, the only one that I had, and I had them protecting Tyler Benson, even if, you know, we're a little bit unsure about it, I think the Condors have done a really good job the last few years, especially in the Jay Woodcroft era, of just developing these guys and having them NHL-ready. Uh, he's a guy, you, you know, you, you've invested time with him, drafting him in the second round a few years ago, and he would come in with an extremely low cap hit, which I think would be nice and might make it a little bit easier to accept the Duncan Keith deal. Also, you know, you're just dangling Zach Cassian, and if he were to be taken... In, in my nice. opinion, yeah, I mean, it, it clears up some cap space, and I like Zach Cassie when he's on his game, and I, I love the versatility and the things he can do, but there's just been too many times in the last couple of years where he's gone invisible, and you know, you're know you wanting more from him. So that was the only thing that I thought might happen. I was wrong, and honestly, I've got no problem with the team protecting Zach Cassie, and I think that you know hopefully he's poised for a bounce-back year and can play some good hockey, but uh, overall, yeah, not not too surprising for the Oilers. Yeah, now, just, on, on that note, I, I agree with you, Connor. If if Zach Cassian got snapped up and you got out of the remaining three years of that deal, which is you know has has showed its age a little bit in the in in the last year, that would be great. Uh, but I think the Oilers are looking at it as saying, who helps us immediately next year? Zach Cassian, Josh yeah. Archibald, or uh, Tyler Benson, and and I think that you know I don't think there's a guarantee at all that Tyler Benson is uh, in the top nine of this team next year, but where you could say Cassian is. But that contract at three point two million has another three years on it. Um, it you know it, you, you could be looking at a couple of years saying, ah, it's nice to have this extra three million dollars to spend on these players if he was in Seattle. So I do get where you're coming on that for sure. Yeah, and I mean like. Like you said, in the next two, three years, Zach Cassian will very likely be the better NHL player. So he's got the higher ceiling there. You go longer than that, potentially yeah. it is Tyler Benson, but he is still, you know, for the most part, an unknown at the NHL level. We don't really know what he's going to translate into. So, yeah, I think for the Oilers, you know, you look back at the last two NHL expansion drafts, if you were to lose Griffin Reinhardt and Tyler Benson, I mean, you're you're coming off on as one of the better teams, uh, you know, in terms of just not really losing that much. Uh, Griffin Reinhardt right. now obviously out of the NHL. Yeah, it, it also speaks to what you actually have to expose that <laughs> isn't very good either, right? You know, you know that it, you're looking at these organizations that have that have to make these trades and expose good players. It's because they have a lot of good players, and you know, in in one sense, it's like, oh, it sucks to lose a good player, but. In another sense, that means you're a good team, so you should be happy in that regard. Now, a couple guys that you know potentially could be brought back, and one I think guaranteed will, Mike Smith, maybe once the expansion draft passes, makes it a little bit easier for the Oilers not to have to protect him, and they can keep Stuart Skinner in the system and, and not risk potentially losing him. But Adam Larson, I mean, I, I talked to Reed Wilkins from 630 Ched, and I, I want to say it was a month ago, maybe 
six weeks ago, and he thought that it was almost 100% done, that Adam Larson returns on a deal. But now we're starting to hear kind of conflicting reports that potentially he wants to check out free agency, and, and I really don't know what to think, because Ryan Rashog says there's offers to Larson, and you know potentially they're even better than offers that other teams are making. What do you think happens with the blue liner? And I, I mean, I think his role with this club is really important, and if they lose him, I think it's going to be a huge loss. I agree. I am... Um... I think that uh, I think one of the reasons they brought in Duncan Keith is a little bit of insurance in case Adam Larson does leave. Uh, then you know you have a you don't have Larson and you don't have Clefbaum around the dressing room. Depending on what happens, uh, that is a big big void of uh, just a just a voice. And, and who knows about Tyson Berry, right? Like there's mm-hmm. three guys. Uh, that you were counting on, even though Clefbaum obviously hasn't been around the team. So I think the Keith move was, was partly that. And and if you're Adam Larson, why wouldn't you at least, like you can always sign back in Edmonton. I don't think the Oilers are giving him an offer saying, you have to sign this by a certain date. You know, we'd appreciate knowing, but you have to respect the player in the process. And if he wants to go out and test free agency for a few days, yeah, then, then that's his prerogative. There's no guarantee that the Oilers won't say, "Okay, we can't, we can't miss out on so and so, so we're going after him." Sorry, Adam, we're not going to do it. And then you know that that happens with with guys sometimes. But I think Adam Larson owes it to himself to at least see what's out there before he uh, uh, agrees to to something like that. You know, and it's a little different for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the uh, same organization, Western Canadian kid. You know, maybe Adam Larson uh, has, a, has a, a favorite city out there that he wants to check, or maybe he just wants the extra couple of million he might be able to get per season on the open market. But I would be worried if the Oilers, uh, if I were the Oilers, uh, in losing Adam Larson. Um, Keith and Larson, uh, I think, are, you know, as uh, uh, three, four, four, five, whatever pecking order you want to put them in helps this team. Uh, so I, I would be a little bit worried if I was the Oilers, and if I'm Adam Larson. There's not a doubt in my mind that I'm, I'm testing the market a little bit. And then if I don't like what I see or I, sh- I still want to come back to Edmonton for whatever reason, you can you can circle back. Absolutely. I mean, and, and like you said, there is that risk potentially if you take too long that, you know, maybe the Oilers look elsewhere and, and we've heard, you know, you can't rule out Tyson Berry returning. And uh, right. I don't know if there's enough money for both of those guys. But, yeah, 100%, I think that, he, you know, he's going to do the right thing. And if you get an offer, you know, comparable to a franchise that has had more postseason success, I mean, you got to think about it a little bit. Maybe there's a city, like he said, he likes on the road to go to and wouldn't mind living there for sure. It's, it's something to watch out for. I want to bring it back to Duncan Keith, and you know, well, you can throw your opinion in here about the Duncan Keith trade and and your reaction to that one. But if if he's not playing with Adam Larson, honestly, I think it's going to hurt Duncan Keith a lot and make that that trade look even worse because you know a lot of the hockey that he played this past season with the Chicago Blackhawks was with young players and inexperienced guys, and I think that hurt him, made him look a little worse than he actually was, and. I don't know how it would work if Adam Larson doesn't return, but, you know, he could be out there with a guy like Evan Bouchard, and, and that's just not going to help Duncan Keith either. Yeah, or, or even Ethan Bear, who's yeah. still only 24 years old. Um, you know, your options are thin on the right side. If Barry comes back, that's a possibility, uh, depending on who's playing above them with uh, Nurse or whoever. But, yeah, you know, it it, it is... Uh, a really good situation for Dave Tippett to be able to lean on as a second pairing that, 
you know, hopefully isn't isn't a second. You know, maybe the minutes can. You know, if you have a if you have a really strong first pairing and a bit of an older second pairing at you know thirty eight and twenty eight. I guess Adam Larson is. I wouldn't consider him old, but certainly a, a guy who's ten years a senior playing with him. You need a strong third pairing to be able to take some of those minutes off because Duncan Keith is going to help you the most in April. Like there's 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 no doubt about it. you didn't get Duncan Keith to make the playoffs. You got Duncan Keith to help you in the playoffs. And so at some point you gotta keep this guy fresh at thirty eight years old. Um, as far as the whole trade I didn't hate it as much as a, a lot of people did. I did hate the fact that you gave up a pick and didn't get any salary retained. I, I thought that was something that kind of boggled my mind a little bit, um, you know, especially when guys were getting bought out a day later, albeit, and, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't hate the trade. I, I really don't hate the trade. Five million or whatever it is, five and a half, uh, for only this year and next year isn't awful, uh, in my opinion. You're not tied long-term to this. Um, and like I said, if Duncan Keith uh, at some point can stand up on the bench or the dressing room or wherever it is or in the playoff uh, and, and kind of have an impact, then, then it makes it worth it. So um, you're right, though. It does depend a lot on who his partner is. Duncan Keith can't be the guy that carries that pair. He's got to be a guy that gets some help. So... Uh, the Oilers have to find the right guy on the right side to pair with Duncan Keith, or uh, you're going to see uh, you're going to see a lot of highlights where Duncan Keith is covering for a younger guy and looking bad, and people are going to say this is an awful trade. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's opening up the door for a lot of criticism for Ken yeah. Holland if if he isn't able to to re-sign Larson. But I mean, I think I think Keith Larson would be a great second pairing. And, or somebody like Larson, right? If yeah. Larson leaves, you got to just find somebody on the free agent market that can step in. And I don't, I don't know who that guy might be, but you got to replace. It's, it's got to be a veteran. A hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, you're going to make Duncan Keith look better. Obviously, we know he can help people with the experience, and he can be a mentor and a tutor and help these guys out. But give him a chance. Don't don't make yeah. him play with them. Let him help them out in practice. Do you do you buy into that like what Duncan Keith will bring off the ice like and I've heard people talk about the defenseman but this is a guy who's a winner. He's won on every level. Uh, you know, he won in the WHL, he won obviously in the NHL with the Chicago Blackhawks on the international level. I mean, I feel like this guy off the ice can do a lot for even guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. I think so. I you know, and I I think um, he doesn't have to like consciously try to be anything. You just soak it up. Just just talk to the guy. Like you know, you're just over the course of a season. Um, you're going to be going out for lunch or dinner or different things, and you know, just just talk to the guy. You're going to learn a lot from just hanging around him. Uh, certain situations throughout the year, Duncan Keith is is going to probably stand up at different times and have a voice, or you know, take a guy aside and talk to them. Like I think the worst you can do though is come in and try to be something you're not. Like like Duncan Keith, you know, I I, I think Duncan Keith is a, a you know a, a veteran guy that will stand up and say something, but maybe he's not. Maybe he's a, a quieter guy that just. You know, talks to guys on the side because you you should never want to come in and be like, okay, my whole career I was pretty quiet, but now I'm going to stand on a soapbox and start telling everybody what to do. No, that's if that's not your thing, that's not your thing. But Duncan Keith, just by his action, can influence other players. They know his history. They know what he does. Guys are watching other guys. And, and like I said, he can help different guys in situations. You know, if he notices a guy feeling a little bit of pressure, 
she probably knows how to help them out a little bit. So I, I, I believe in that stuff, man. I think that that stuff, like, I don't think you're trading for a guy that's not very good anymore at all just because he's a, he's a veteran or whatever. But I think that stuff, um, I don't know how you measure it. I don't know if there's a stat that you could, uh, you know, like a grit sort of thing out there. But I think the, uh, the experience factor, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, I think it's underrated. I know some people look at different things like momentum and atmosphere and things like that and say, oh, it doesn't carry over, it doesn't this. But we're not in the dressing room, man. We don't know uh, how that happens. So I personally, if I was a, a fan or a team or a teammate, I would put stock into that quote-unquote experience effect. Sticking with the blue line, Dino, obviously Darnell Nurse last year took big steps and played like a number one defenseman. I don't know if if he's going to do that throughout his career. We'll wait and see, but the indicators look pretty good because he was great last season. Uh, Looks like his partner won't be Tyson Berry. Obviously, we can see what happens if they circle back, but it could be Ethan Bear. How much confidence do you have that Ethan Bear can take that step and be a top-pairing guy? Um... I think Ethan Bear could eventually. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if top pairing is mm-hmm. where I see uh, Ethan Bear eventually. I, I would love to be wrong about that, um, but I, you know, he could maybe play. You know, I, I just see guys like Broberg coming uh, and possibly Bouchard um, and and some of these guys and 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 Darnell Nurse. Uh, obviously, I think could be a, a top pairing guy. I'm not sure if you're looking at Darnell Nurse as a true number one, like a, a Victor Hedman, but you know he, he he will probably be that guy on the Oilers, and and who knows he could grow. I didn't think Darnell Darnell Nurse was going to have this kind of offense, so uh, a lot of things have surprised me about him. So I don't want to sell him too much short anymore. I just I'm not sure Ethan Bear is a is like a number two top pairing defenseman um, in that situation, but he might play there with Darnell Nurse this year. I I I I think Ethan Bear still needs a little bit more of uh, like Darnell Nurse. That's a lot of pressure to put on Darnell Nurse. He's only two years older than Ethan Bear, and I think Ethan Bear maybe needs a little bit more of a veteran, steadier guy um, as his uh, as his defense partner. Um, that that's my personal opinion. Um, you know, you you don't have a lot of choices in this situation. Uh, we just talked about not wanting to saddle Duncan Keith. Uh, with that guy, I guess Chris Russell is a guy who will probably be in and out of the lineup. But I, I would be a little bit worried about a, a Nurse Bear number one pairing going into the season, just because of the inexperience and uh, you know Ethan Bear. You know, unfortunately, just as, as the young players do, got a little exposed this year at different times. So I, I would be a little bit worried about that pairing right now. I see Ethan Bear down the road as a solid number two pairing guy. I don't know if he's ever going to be a number one. Again, I could, could be totally wrong, and I'd love to be, because I, I like the player, that's for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I, he, I mean, he could just be keeping the seat warm for Evan Bouchard. I know uh, Jason Strudelka said he thinks in 18 months that top pairing is going to be Darnell Nurse and Evan Bouchard, and that would be great. And then you've got Philip Broberg coming up, and then maybe yeah. Ethan Bear, like you said, he can you know play lower down the lineup, and maybe he hops on the second unit power play, and and can still be that guy. There's one thing I would love to see him do, and you know maybe it's training with his potential partner Darnell Nurse, and just be getting in that gym. Like Darnell Nurse is just one of the best athletes out. 
out there. The amount he played in Game 4 against the Jets when it went into, was it triple overtime? I kind of blocked that out of my memory. But, I mean, he was playing so much hockey, and it didn't look like he decreased, and he's just efficient out there. I'd love to see Ethan Bear kind of work on that part of his game. Yeah, Darnell Nurse would be a terrific role model because he is uh, he's just a physical specimen, man. That guy is an uh, absolute horse. And, and I remember, well, this was back when I was working with you guys at the station, and we were talking about, you know, unfortunately, Clefbaum was hurt again during that season, and Nurse was getting so much playing time. And I said, this is too much for this guy. And at that point, I still think it was too much, and he tired out. But, man, you look at it, it's, it's paid off in spades. And I, I look at the example, I use this all the time. In 2001, Brent Sutter, uh, in 2000, he bought the Red Deer Rebels, and he played all 16-year-olds. He cut vets. He just played 16-year-olds like Colby Armstrong and that. The next year, they won the Memorial Cup. He played them so much, and they weren't that great, but they learned, and they learned properly. And, and that's kind of what Darnell Nurse did. He was under fire. He had to do the job, and he did it. And I, I, I kind of like that crystal ball you're looking at. If you go Nurse... And Bouchard uh, left right, and then uh, Ethan Bear on the right side with Philip Broberg in a couple of years. That's a pretty solid uh, uh, top four that you have. And, and who knows what sort of uh, free agents you might be able to uh, to work in there. Uh, you also have guys like Dmitry Samarukov that are yeah. coming up. So the one thing the Oilers have, and that's why I didn't mind the Duncan Keith deal, is they have good young defensemen. I like Caleb Jones. I, I wasn't sure Caleb Jones was ever going to be a top four a consistent defense, and I hope he proves me wrong too. But uh, I don't think that, uh, I put it this way, I think Ethan Bear, Evan Bouchard, Philip Broberg, uh, and, and Sam Rukoff uh, can be equally as good, if not better, than Caleb Jones because the Oilers, that's the one thing they have a strength at is young, uh, mobile defensemen that they can, they can develop. So they, they dealt from a position of strength uh, to get some experience, which they don't have a lot of. So in that regard, it wasn't the worst trade. It just too bad they're still paying five and a half, and they gave up a pick as well. That 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 was funny because when the rumors came out, and I think we have to go back two weeks now. Uh, one of the things that I think we just kept on putting out there from twelve sixty was they got to retain salary. You can't pay him five and a half million. You can't do it. And we just kept pushing that and thinking, you know, there's no way that they make this move without retaining salary. Yeah. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I mean, the twelve sixty inbox was raging when that trade happened because yeah i think we just it, it didn't make sense to take it on for five and a half million dollars and yeah now ken holland i think this offseason is a chance to to work some magic and show that it wasn't as bad but yeah right now if you had a couple million dollars extra probably a little bit easier to swallow that pill uh dean millar joining me here on the other connor podcast dean let's look ahead to the draft coming up and i mean for the edmonton Oilers picking in the 19th spot um I'm a big believer of, especially in the NHL, when it takes time for these guys to develop and, you know, you can bring in a lot of players through free agency. I like to draft the best player available. What would be your strategy for the Edmonton Oilers? Well, I mean, when you especially add in that they are selecting in the second half of the draft. Um, yeah, I, I just think, you know, it's, you're, it's funny. Craig Button and I have had this discussion the other day about you know the, the the debate about drafting for need versus the best player available. And he said they're both kind of silly because how do you know what you're going to need by the time this player develops, and how do you really know who the best player available is? So so <laughs> you know I, I think you just look and you say okay. I like this player more than I like this player. For whatever reason, we're going to take him. And so 
You know, the Oilers uh, have an opportunity, depending on what you what list you look at. There's a, a guy who's a really great skating defenseman that plays for Brooks named Corson Kuhlman. Um, and I think that this is a guy who is going to be a – I think he's a guy at, that if he gets drafted in that 1920, people are going to look back and say, how did that guy uh, get drafted there? Now, we just talked about the abundance of defensemen you have. But there's no there's no guarantee that you haven't traded a couple of those defensemen in a couple of years, and then Corson Kuhlman can can step in. So I don't know. It, it depends who's uh, draft. Uh, Carson Lambos is another big strong strong uh, defenseman uh, that could be available there. Brandon Othman is a guy who didn't play much this year because the OHL. Um, I believe he went to Europe a little bit and then played in the uh, the U18s. Um, you know, if, if a few guys slip, there's a guy like Cole Sillinger, Mike Sillinger's son, who is a, a pretty good uh, young uh, offensive player. Or obviously young. They're all young. And then there's a guy like Ken Johnson in Michigan. If that guy drops, I don't think he will. Uh, another strong player. So um, I, I think you have to just, just take the uh, player that you feel, uh, what regardless of position, whether that's forward, goaltender, or defenseman, uh, you do that, and you you say, I don't know what we're going to be like. Pretend you don't have any players. Just take the guy you think is going to develop the best. And that might be a goaltender. You know, Sebastian Kosa is getting a lot of, of attention right now, Connor. Um, Craig Button has him ranked 15th on his list, and that's the second goaltender. Jesper Walstad will be the first goaltender off the board. Uh, the Swedish, uh, a lot of people are looking at Henrik Lundqvist when they see him. But there is a goaltender in Sebastian Kosa who could be around that 1920 a, um, a selection. And just think about it. You are never going to get a more honest scouting report than on a guy that is a team you own. I mean, you're, you go down to the, the Oil Kings and you say, okay, you've got to tell me everything that's good, everything that's bad, everything. You are never going to get a more honest scouting report than on a guy like Kosa or Dylan Gunther, but Gunther won't be around when the Oilers are picking. So I, I, I don't know if it's the worst thing for the Oilers um, if, if, you know, to, to take a guy like uh, Kosa, but there will be a lot of other options uh, in that area as well. But it will be very interesting to see what happens with that second goalie. And there's some people that think there could be a third goalie in Benjamin Gaudreau uh, in this draft. I highly doubt we'll see three goalies taken in the first round. I'm not sure we'll see two, but it's a possibility this year. Oh, man, the goalie union would not shut up about that if it oh, happens, we'd be, eh? We'd be loving it. Yeah, Craig has, <laughs> has all three in his top 32, so somehow the goalie union got to Craig. <laughs> Oh, I, I heard Craig's. Uh, you can buy him. I heard. I heard that. So I, I don't know if uh, you and uh, Kevin Woodley led the charge there, but uh, you know, just with the Oilers picking where they do, like it, it to me, I, I like what you said there. Like you know, buy or uh, best available, go by need. You don't really know, but you just you take the guy who's highest on your board and wait and see right. because they're in a position where they're not going to see this guy in the NHL for a couple of years. This isn't the Oilers of two thousand six where. Or sorry, 2016, I should say, 2015, where it's like, oh, we got to draft this guy in the top five, and hopefully we'll see him next year or the following right. year. I mean, this is a guy you're going to select, and three years down the road, maybe four years, you'll start to look back and see how he's doing. But it, it's kind of an, a nice change of pace for Oilers fans, I think. Obviously, making the playoffs the last two years, even last year they selected kind of high. But now it's like this is a guy you're probably not even going to worry about for at least three to four years. 
Yeah, it, it depends. Like Dylan Holloway is kind of an interesting <laughs> example. He, he actually left school uh, faster than I thought. Uh, but Corson Kuhlman's would be the same thing. A guy going to school, um, you know, you look at the player. Don't, don't you're not taking the best player right now. Like that, that's yeah. that's you know, you're 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 looking and saying, okay, is this player going to be developing? Is his curve going to continue when we work with him? What can we improve? Okay, we're drafting him, and and that's the other thing. You got to have realistic expectations. Like you're not drafting a guy who scored 15 goals in the OHL and and expecting him to have 60 goals. You have to have real realistic expectations. Okay, this player might not provide a lot of offense in, in like a Simon Edmondson or something like that, but you know what? He's going to be able to move the puck and skates really well. Well, Jay Bolmeister was that player for a long time in his NHL career. He had a couple of 40-point seasons or things like that, but he was never a huge point producer, but a very valuable, minute-munching, well-skating guy who moved the puck. And know that when you pick a guy, if that's what he projects to be, don't expect him to run your power play. I mean, it's, it's all about expectations when you're drafting a guy. You don't take a guy who's a, a round peg and try to put him in a square hole. It just doesn't work. And, and you know, there, there's, there's two Ds when it comes to having good prospects. The draft, but then there's the development. We've seen a lot of times great prospects get drafted, but then they get ruined or they get rushed in development. So the two Ds work hand-in-hand hand when you're talking about uh, providing your team with prospects at the NHL uh, selections. You brought up a, an interesting one with Dylan Holloway because when he was drafted, uh, I was uh, working the draft show with TSN 1260, and the results immediately, or the, the feedback, I should say, it wasn't good. A lot of people were questioning the pick, thinking, really? yeah, yeah. They, and I think, to be honest with you, I think a lot of people just didn't know who he was. Like, no, they're not yeah. used to drafting 14th overall, so who is this guy? And, we, you know, immediately we have a couple scouts come on and uh, people who follow these things and discuss prospects and you know, the th- the thought was, you know, you're getting an honest worker out of this guy. He's going to do all the little things he has to. Then we saw him at Wisconsin and at the World Juniors, and yeah. all of a sudden that thought where I had been preaching, you don't have to worry about this guy for a couple of years, people start to think, oh, could he get into the lineup, and could he be with the team next season? I know Craig Button has said on the Jason Greger show that he thinks he's NHL-ready right now. What do you think about Dylan Holloway and, and his future and what he could be? Uh, well, I think Dylan Holloway. I I, I loved uh, his his um, his all around game. Like I like I don't think Dylan Holloway is a guy that you are going to look at and say he's the best at all these things. I think you're going to look and say he's really good at a lot of things. And uh, that is a guy that you know those type of guys. In, in and I think they could fit in anywhere. Right? It's like okay. This guy does so many things well. We can put him on a first line. This guy does so well. He could play on a third line if that third line needs some jump and some juice and he skates really well. Uh, I think Dylan Holloway uh, is, is easily a top six guy, uh, potentially down the road, skates well enough to be on that uh, top line. Um, I would be not putting uh, Dylan Holloway in the NHL this year. That's just, you know, I, I wouldn't hold him back on purpose if he was so good, but I wouldn't be penciling Dylan Holloway into this lineup. I think I think to be effective, Dylan Holloway should be in your top six, not saying he can't play in the third line, and this is a guy who could probably start in the third line, but why not let Dylan Holloway um, go down and develop at least for a year, if not half of a season. So I would be penciling Dylan Holloway 
in the AHL, and if he blows the doors off in training camp and you have to keep him, it's an absolute bonus. Um, and even if you wanted to start him on a third line, he's the type of player that could fit in anywhere and contribute in a lot of different ways. If he's on the third line, then he's playing more of just kind of a, a checking uh, role or or an, uh, like a, an energy role while still trying to chip in points. That's great. If he's on a top line where they could be a little more aggressive, uh, he's going to be, you know, he's just a demon on the forecheck. Uh, but I just would be, you know, I, I know that there's excitement with him. Uh, and rarely do I disagree with Craig, but I would rather him, uh, I would be penciling him into the American Hockey League and then just let him run wild down there on the top two lines for at least uh, the first half of the year. That's what I would like to see. Listen, we've seen this organization be the poster boys and poster people for rushing prospects. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, there was no way he needed to play his first year. Neil Yakubov, all these guys. There's, and, and, and that's just a few of them. Like, we've seen so many other guys in that situation. You go all the way back to the Gagne, Nielsen, uh, Cogliano days where those guys were thrown into it. I mean, they, lately, they've done a better job at letting these guys develop and develop together in Bakersfield. And I would put Tyler Benson on that list, too. They gave him time to develop. And while I still don't think he's a top six forward, he could still be. He's a smart player. He can contribute in your, in your bottom six, and he could be a serviceable NHL player. I love Dylan Holloway. Can't wait to see him in the NHL, but I would be a lot more patient with him than some people are thinking. One thing that I've always thought, and I mean, this could be crazy. I feel like I've probably even had this discussion with you on Sports Night back in the day, but I always thought they should let like one or two players maybe have an exemption list for guys who are drafted and then can go right to the AHL. Like Nail Yakupov, he's, he, he clearly was very good in Sarnia, but had a lot to learn about the professional game. Why not let him take that little transitional spot and play in the AHL for a year rather than put him in the NHL or Ryan Nugent Hopkins, like you said? Like, maybe I'm crazy to think this way, but I just think if you gave each team uh, two underagers or something like that, just just to help them develop and find their game, I don't I don't see the downside to that. I don't, but the CHL would because you're taking (laughs) 60 players, marquee players, out of their league. Well, there is the problem with that, isn't it? That's, that's the exact reason why you don't see that, because uh, that's an agreement uh, that, that they obviously uh, live off of. Because think about it, you take Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and uh, he's going he, to be in the NHL already, but every team would sign up two of their players for that um, if, you, if you did that in the, in the NHL. I think it's a great idea. I think even one, even one exemption <laughs> – but then again, the CHL is like, wow, there's 30 players out of our out of our 90 whatever teams it is. But I think it's a smart idea. I think it would be great for the development. Unfortunately, those leagues that, that depend on those star players would not like it. If if the Red Deer Rebels are going to lose Ryan Nugent Hopkins, they want to lose Ryan Nugent Hopkins to the NHL so they can say, come play on our team and develop like Ryan Nugent Hopkins who's in the NHL. I love the I love the idea. I just know the leagues don't. Man, I, I see. I got to get on the inside and, and tell the NHL to toughen up and just say we don't care. Right, yeah, exactly. your, your players can go play somewhere else. We don't care, uh, Dean. Just a couple more questions for you here. I, I mean, you talked about the Oilers, kind of the guys in the system. We've talked about Evan Bouchard, Philip Broberg, uh, Dylan Holloway, 
there's a lot of other guys. Morikov, Lavoie. Is there anyone that maybe is a little bit off the radar that you like for the Oilers, not necessarily this year, but down the road? Um, yeah, let's, this, some of the guys, like we, we mentioned uh, Sam Marukov, um, and I think that. I, I, I'm a big fan of Cooper Marodi. I don't know uh, how much of, uh, of an NHL impact he, he might have, but I, I really uh, I like his, uh, his game. Um, it depends. It would be interesting to see what happens with uh, Olive, Olivier Rodrigue because he was really yeah. uh, a highly touted uh, defenseman in, in his draft. But... I think the guys that we talked about are the guys that uh, you, you know you're looking at. I know there's a there's always a chance for some other guys. Um, Kirill Maximoff might be an interesting prospect in the uh, last year of kind of his uh, entry level deal. Um, but you know, I I think it's interesting. The Oilers actually have some uh, some interesting uh, prospects coming up, and some of those guys that were prospects have finally graduated uh, to the NHL team. So in proper time, as we mentioned, so. I think they're actually in a decent spot um, uh, uh, organizationally when it comes to their prospects. You know, you're seeing guys like Yamamoto have made the uh, the move up. Ryan McLeod, it looks like he's ready to to make the move up. Uh, and then obviously the defenseman that we talked about. So I think they've actually done a good job. I think you have to tip your cat to Jay Woodcroft, uh, and and that's an interesting situation. He could have followed uh, Todd McClellan to L.A. and been back in the NHL, mm-hmm. but he's making a really good name for himself now as a development coach. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's crushing it right now. And you've got to think the NHL will come calling soon when they see what he's been able to do uh, with this organization. I, I want to ask you about uh, Luke Prokop, of course, today coming out and uh, just announcing that he is a gay man and playing in the uh, NHL in the Nashville Predators system. Of course, he was a draft pick by the Preds playing for the Calgary Hitmen before. I think you and I are on the same page for this one. I mean, I'm just so happy for him that he can potentially, you know, take this weight off his shoulders. It's out there. I think in society we can just say, "Good for you, man. That's great to hear." And now go play hockey and be happy. Such a good story, an amazing story. Uh, and, and like you, I'm just happy for Luke uh, that he doesn't have to think about this anymore. Because I can only imagine. And I've, I've spoken to Brock McGillis uh, and, and, and some different people that have went through uh, this similar situation. And you're, you're not yourself. Like just just imagine, uh, you know, how many days of your life you have to pretend to, you're putting on a mask and a costume uh, every day. Um, you know, it's, I, I, you know, like I, I think the fact that you can come out and say this is who I really am and this is what I'm going to try to do and be a hockey player is the best thing ever. And you know, I tweeted back and I said you have paved the way for so many people now. You have no idea. Uh, and listen. We, we would get similar comments uh, when we would talk about my mental health struggles, Connor, and things like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, in, in some ways those are similar because there's a lot of people, and, and I was one of them, that didn't want to talk about my mental health issues at some point. And then I got to the point where I needed to talk about them. Uh, and, and it's a relief. You feel so much better. And I can only imagine, because that was a part that I wasn't uh, open and honest with about. And, and this is a guy who probably grew up in dressing rooms and heard the comments and things like that. And the more people that start coming out, literally, and, and saying, this is who I am, is going to inspire more people to not only make that same decision, but also make the decision not to use language that is offensive and not to use. And, and listen, I grew up in an era where, where 
casual racism and casual uh, sexism and casual homophobic comments were tolerated in the 80s. Disgustingly. I, I feel terrible uh, about uh, the things that I grew up around and, and the things that you thought was okay that are no longer okay anymore. And this is the stuff uh, that is going to help people make those decisions to realize that stuff is not okay and for other people to realize they can be themselves. So bravo to Luke Prokop, a uh, good Edmonton boy, big boy as well. Uh, I, I really, really hope uh, this is a great thing for his hockey career and, and we get to see him um, you know, continue on uh, at the uh, at the NHL level. So good on Luke. Um, you know, I know he played uh, a little bit for the uh, the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, played in the Brick Invitational as well, uh, which is something that I've uh, always been around. So I'm really really happy for him and his family. Yeah, and one thing I, I was a little frustrated by is you know the the major outlets are reporting it, and there's always that guy that has to say, "Who cares? Let's just get back to hockey." And for so many people, this is such a big deal for yeah. for the you know kids out there to see this and think, okay, well, I don't have to hide it. And you know, hopefully, like you said, the 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 homophobic comments that might be in a locker room go away. You you know, you just you, you're not as ignorant as we used to be. Like it, it's it's such a big deal and uh, good for him, good for the hockey community, showing a lot of support. I know Roman Yossi uh, had a statement and the Preds, and you're seeing it on social media, players and organizations showing their support. Good for him, good Edmonton kid, and uh, that's just awesome news. Dean, last thing for you, you got to tell me a little bit about UFF because uh, Michael Vick, Michael Vick, and Chris Carter getting involved—that's huge news. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, we had our uh, fr- franchise auctions for the Ultimate Fantasy American Football League because we will have football of a different variety at some point as well. So we certainly have to make that distinction when you're dealing with people around the world. Uh, but so I've been talking to you about this for a while. I'm in uh, the uh, involved with UFFS, Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. Uh, we have uh, the, the Hockey League that mimics the NHL. We have a Hockey League that mimics the AHL. And now we have a league that mimics the NFL. And Connor, this is for professional fantasy players. 53-man rosters offensive linemen, special teams. The the first draft is a 53-round draft. It is so realistic. Uh, there's a, a team headed up by Nick Lewis, former CFL Hall of Famer, that has hired a GM, a coach, an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, because you're going to be able to detail your defense. You're probably going to have to have one, but you can you can stack six in the box if you want. You can go, you know, you're going to be able to build your defense in your team. It's so uh, dialed in. And, yes, the names that you mentioned, Michael Vick, Chris Carter, and Terrence Bud Crawford, one of the pound-for-pound best boxers out there, uh, VCC is their company name, and they ended up with the uh, first overall pick uh, because the highest bid ends up with the first overall pick. So we did have our franchise auctions yesterday, and uh, their bid was $175,000 U.S. for a fantasy franchise. Nick Lewis and his group came in at 151000 and then a person named Jack Johnson, don't know if it's the singer or the hockey player, not sure, <laughs> I was gonna ask. but they were at 125000 and And as mentioned, we only have as many teams as the league it's based on, so 32 in the NFL. 32 teams went for a total of 
$1.75 million yesterday. And now the real fun begins because Chris Carter, Michael Vick, Terrence Crawford, they're looking for staff. They're not going to run the team. They're hiring GMs. They're hiring people. Can you imagine the interview process with Michael Vick and Chris Carter and Terrence Crawford on some sort of Zoom call or something? Like, it is going to be wild, uh, the amount. Ryan Malone, former NHLer, he bought a hockey team. He's, he just traded for Steven Stamkos. He said he's sending Stamkos a hat. And it's just, it's just getting insanely fun. Uh, basketball auctions will go in uh, Vegas in September. Uh, baseball auctions will be in Vegas in November. And then that's just the current league. We're also going to have Legends League. So Chris Carter and Michael Vick, they're going to be have their digital NFT, their athlete NFTs, uh, these digital collectibles that are also going to be playing in our fantasy league. So we're going to have a simulated Legends League where you can draft anybody you want. You could literally draft anybody that has played in the NFL and put them on your Legends team. So in baseball, I would be drafting Oral Hershiser because he was my favorite player if I was in the Legends League. He, but I could also draft Babe Ruth if I was in the Legends League. So if there's stats for it, we can make a league, and that's what we plan to do. Hockey, baseball, basketball, football. Uh, we've talked about going overseas for a lot of sports and combat sports. Golf is coming up. Uh, literally, uh, I don't know if there is a limit to what we can do. And, and the cool thing is, we were just in Vegas. Well, they were in Vegas. I didn't get to go. I was working back here. But they were held their event at the Circa, the, the, the Circa Sportsbook. Beautiful place. The owner of the Circa bought a team. He saw how cool this was. He jumped in. They're planning on getting in on every sport and things like that. So it's really, really wild. If people want more information, just to check it out, it's www.uffsports.com. Dot com Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, www.usfsports.com. And I didn't even tell you about scouting yet. I know you watch a lot of ball. You watch a lot of college ball. You could start scouting players in all kinds of sports uh, at the young age of 15. So we're talking about high school, and then those players get auctioned into fantasy. So the future of fantasy is here, my friend, and it's UFF Sports for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm just right now on your uh, Twitter page at UFF Sports and uh, looking at the draft. Danny McNamara, who formerly of TSN, now with Sportsnet, he was down there. He's working with you guys, and there's some pictures of uh, the sports book at the Circa and yeah. sitting out there by the pool, having some drinks, doing that kind of stuff. That that looks like a good time. I mean, if if you if you get in contact with Michael Vick and you know he wants a scout, even if he wants a regional Sierra, you know Alberta Golden Bears scout, I'll go out there and watch some games for him. Maybe we'll find the next offensive lineman or something. Yeah, you tell Michael that. That, that that's that's it. It's it's so fun, Andy. Uh, it was it, his idol is Eric Metcalf, and that's who he was able to broadcast the show with. Eric Metcalf was on the show with him, and uh, it's so cool. Tori Gurley uh, was part of the broadcast, and Nate Burleson, who's going to be uh, NFT with us. Uh, it's just really starting to take off, um, and uh, it's it's next level fantasy. It's it's real world. The scouting thing is cool because you're scouting real world players for fantasy teams. So there was a pretty good running back from Edmonton. Hmm. Trying to think what his name is that went on to play college football recently. And uh, you could have been watching him in high school, Connor, listed him for $20 and then see where he develops into. That's the kind of cool thing as scouts in this, you, you can register to be a scout for $25. You can scout in every single sport. 
Uh, and you're going to an Oil King game, you see a kid, pretty good player, nobody has him, you list him, he goes in the first round, you're making some pretty good cash. So there's a lot of fun, and, and also you're, you're building a reputation as a scout. I've actually talked to some NHL scouts that have said, this is a platform I'm going to do when I retire because I could still start making money and, and finding players. So there's, there's a lot to look at with this. And with your knowledge when it comes to football, you might want to look into being a football scout or something like that. I might have to do it. I might have to do it. See, I was thinking Carter O'Donnell, who went to the Colts. Maybe I find the next one, right? And there you go. see what happens there. That sounds like a lot of fun. And clearly you guys are doing really good things. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how far this goes. At UFF Sports on Twitter. I say just go check it out there. They've got the link to the website, and from there you can learn all about it. Dean, thanks a lot for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Always great to catch up with you. Great stuff from Dean Millard. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Duck Millard. Also, check out UFF Sports at UFF Sports. Dino doing a lot of great work there. And as always, we appreciate him hopping on the podcast. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Other Connor Podcast. Got to thank Dean Millard for hopping on today. Got to thank all of you for tuning in. I have to thank our sponsor, DraftKings. Sign up today. Use promo code THPN, as well as the people out at the Hockey Podcast Network. Next time on the show, Friday by my calculations, we will talk a little bit more about the Edmonton Oilers, of course, who they lost and who they might look to add in free agency and at the NHL entry draft. Thank you guys again for tuning in. My name is Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. We'll talk to you next time here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.